0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 223 for Tuesday, October 20th, 2009. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Dave Hamilton here, uh, back in Durham, New Hampshire, and from Fairfield, Connecticut, or so he tells us on the other end.
0: Yes, John F. Braun. Don't forget the F. F to you. That's right. <laughs> what? No! Uh, I don't know what that means. We can't say that. I, so anyways, <laughs> we're back, oh thank goodness, from uh, Blog World and New Media Expo. Yeah, we picked
1: the, the wrong day, or at least I picked the wrong day to try and travel home to Boston. It was... Uh, it was like s- snowing just around Boston. So uh, so my my flight it was delayed but only, you know, less than an hour. So I mean it wasn't terrible, but it was, you know, dicey Cause it was you know, I, I flew huh. to flew to LAX first and then was going to Boston from there and I got to LAX and like, Yeah, there's some, you know, delays ish Boston. We don't know. It's like I don't know. Yeah, I got
0: st- lucky. Yeah, I, you- I, I went to Chicago and uh our flight was uh, the gate was moved and the flight was delayed by 30 minutes but nice you know made it on the same day pretty much wasted a day flying that's but, uh, that's how it goes co- flying back from the west coast i think but yeah we were like 30 something you know uh, uh, middle 30 so it, it wasn't snow level but yeah i could imagine as you get further up north like you yeah you got it, didn't, sort of it didn't
1: snow much here in new hampshire though just just around Boston, like when I got home, I watched the okay. Patriots game on TiVo. now i I'd, I'd driven home and it was mostly rain, you know a little bit of slush here and there, but uh I mean that Patriots game was ridiculous. it was you know just snowing the whole game. it was like <laughs> blizzard conditions
0: so so um in a nutshell we we met a lot of you know really cool people I think we 'll talk at the end of the show maybe if we have time, but we met a lot of our friends there uh, made new friends uh yeah. it was a good show, and uh, we may you know delve into it, but I think it was a good experience uh I don't know. Yeah. yeah, well again at the end. Uh, I don't know about Vegas as a venue. I have mixed feelings about that. But anyways, <laughs> well uh as yeah. as you may as well. But uh yeah. why don't we dive right in because we got just you know as always just a whole a boatload of stuff from We have tons of stuff. Yeah.
1: You know and and of course by the time people have heard this show they're they're already going to know you know there's the, the I don't think you and I will be the ones breaking the news to anyone that there's new iMacs and Mac minis and all that stuff. But but there's some things to talk about. So, you know, what? Let, let's do those. Kind uh, of we'll, we'll bury that somewhere in the middle of the show here. And for now, uh, let's get on to the questions. And Steve, Steve's actually an old friend of mine. He wrote me. He says, so I finally got my first Mac. Uh, I have a trivial question, but uh, being very timid as it's my first Mac. So here's my thing iChat doesn't include an option to add Yahoo Messenger. What's a good free IM program for the Mac that can handle AIM and Yahoo? And I think there's a pretty obvious answer, again, obvious to someone who's been using the Mac for a while. But, uh, but that doesn't mean it's obvious to everyone. So, John, go ahead. I served
0: it up. You dish it out. I'm dishing it out, and, okay. and actually, in the workplace, we've used this because, unfortunately, iChat a lot of times, as <laughs> we've just seen, lacks. Like for example, in the workplace, I we've wanted to use it, but as far as I know, it doesn't support TLS, which is a newer security protocol versus a SSL or something like that. So our advice was, yeah, forget iChat for corporate, you know, server access because we're not going to support it. Use ADIUM, A-D-I-U-M, and the uh, URL, which will be in the show notes when, when they come out at any minute now, <laughs> A-D-I-U-M dot I-M. Uh, check it out. That's where the project is. And that supports, it, it's amazing. It actually kind of shocks me at the number of protocols they support and that they're still out there, you know? I do know. I do. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's ADIUM.
1: I, I, there used to be one called FIRE. I don't know if uh, if that's even available for Mac OS X anymore, but I think actually it is. Fire.sourceforge.net. Uh, nope. End of an era. No future versions of Fire. There you go. And they suggest you use, guess what? Adium. Yeah. Yep. So that's it. Adium. On to Peter.
2: My energy saver. Oh, supplement. oh, hey,
1: Peter. Sorry. I, must, I don't know why that started in the middle. Let's try that again.
2: Hey, John and Dave. It's. Peter from Syracuse, New York. i got a question for you that's a little bit frustrating. I recently upgraded to Snow Leopard, and for some reason, um, my energy saver sleep preference is kind of, it seems to be ignoring activity. It used to be when I was doing a super-duper backup or an FTP, FTP file transfer, the display would sleep, but the computer itself would not go to sleep until the activity was... Um, was done like backing up or transferring, but under Snow Leopard, it seems like the computer goes to sleep regardless of what's going on. Is there a way to fix this? I checked under Energy Saver, and that's pretty much the only place I could think to check. Um, Any help would be super. Uh, great show, guys, um, and this is where you cut me off.
1: And we will happily cut you off. All right, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I saw an update to Super Duper that specifically talked about snow leopard compatibility and and i added i updated to that i have not had this problem and i i do have super duper uh it starts at about six thirty p.m every day in fact it starts at exactly six thirty p.m every day and uh and it clones my my boot drive so and, and i have not had it fall asleep mid cloning uh though i have come back the next day to find the machine asleep uh and then i wake it up and i find that yep the cloning was mm-hmm. successful so at least on that machine, Snow Leopard and SuperDuper are working properly together. But I, you know, I don't know the answer. Um, but I would definitely check for an update to the software. Now, John, you you dug around and and may and, have and here's, found yes. a hint
0: or a tip that well, we have get, a point for discussion here because I go. don't know the answer as as is you know happens every now and then that we don't have the answer and we 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 you know, come to you, the listener. But anyways, in the help for energy saver preferences, I noticed this phrase. For example, you could set your computer or just display to sleep automatically, blah, blah, blah. If your computer is in the middle of a task that you want to finish, you should set only the display to sleep. Which tells me that, uh, I mean, I thought that the the whole idea of the, the, the sleeping thing was that, you know, it wouldn't sleep in the middle of you doing something important.
1: That, so I guess... Hints at, I wonder how and and perhaps uh, one of our developer listeners can chime in. I I wonder how Mac OS 10 decides what's important versus what's just running in the background, because there's always stuff running in the background. Uh, But, you know, is there is there some API view which you tell the OS, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in the middle of something here. Don't sleep. Uh, Or if OS 10 just tries to kind of suss that out on its own. I don't know. I don't know the answer, and
0: maybe I've oh, imagined it. But I thought I've set it up, and when I've been running something, like you know, iTunes playing a, a you know audio or something, and when it's done, it'll then sleep the machine and not prematurely. So maybe I'm imagining that, but yeah, how, uh, this hints at the fact that it just kind of shuts it down, which I think is what we were hearing. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So maybe a little mini mini challenge. How, 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 yeah, how does a Mac know when when it should sleep? There you go.
1: All right. Uh, but do try to do try to get updates to the, uh, you know, Snow Leopard and whatever FTP client you're using just to make sure that they are, in fact, uh, Snow Leopard. Sorry, I said updates to Snow Leopard. Mm-hmm. Updates to Snow Leopard are good so far, too. But I really meant updates to Super Duper uh, mm-hmm. and whatever FTP client you're using. So, All right. Uh, moving on to Joe. Joe wrote in and said, "A couple of months ago, I noticed that I was no longer able to mount any external USB hard drives to my Mac Mini, mid 2007 model, 2 gigahertz Intel Core 2 Duo, 120 gig. Inter- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I had been able to do so without a problem for the last two years. I'm not sure what triggered this issue. I've tried two external hard drives of different brands. One is a three and a half inch, 80 gig USB only interface hard drive with power brick, and the other is a bus powered." Two and a half inch, 320 gig USB only interface hard drive. Both work fine with my MacBook Pro. Neither external hard drive appears in disk utility or system profiler. A Drobo connected to the Mac mini via Firewire works just fine. All right. So this gets interesting. Um, Number one. Yeah, go I, ahead.
0: I, I have to interject. Yeah, go ahead. Hardware or all right. So it's clear to me, and this may lead you on a path, which I think you will follow Dave, but yep. the port may be shot. So uh, my question, which we, we didn't get, we, we, you know, and, uh, certainly, you know, Joe, let us know, um, does anything work in that port? So just start there. Maybe the port is shot or there's a, you know, power aspect of the port that's marginal or something like that. But, um, does it see anything? Uh, that That's where it start. We didn't get that info, but it sounds uh, uh, what I'm saying is that is it hard drives or is it anything on that port that it doesn't mm. see?
1: OK, so, well, usually the Mac, there. usually the Mac Mini, and I'm trying to remember it. I know they started with like three USB ports and now they're up to like five or something. But I, I'm going to assume that Joe has tried this on multiple ports. So perhaps it's the USB bus. Uh, but but oh, the, but the same point. point is is taken. That's right. Plug a you know does your mouse work or does your keyboard work when it's plugged in to these ports? I'm going to assume yes, but maybe not. Maybe it's a headless machine and you're only connecting to it with you know uh, remote access or something. Uh, so
0: that yeah, that's a good idea. So the hardware angle number one, you know, figure out yeah again do any of my ports work? With right. be pop things around. And uh, but, but now, Dave, you have a path, I think, to, which is a good general path to follow if you suspect, you know, kind of power related issues.
1: Yeah. So I've seen this with it was a an old power PC machine, but uh, but I had a FireWire port that would occasionally disappear and whatever was plugged into it would obviously not appear. And it would take a PRAM reset to get that to come back up online. So that's the first thing I would do, Joe, is if, if uh, actually the first thing I do is what what John just suggested. And then after that, try and reset the PRAM, obviously, uh or maybe not. So obviously reboot the machine. And then as soon as you hear the startup chime, hold down command option P as in Paco. That's a bad example. Why don't we use Papa? Right. And R as in Romeo. So command option Papa Romeo and hold those down. And wait until you hear the startup chime again. At that point, release them. It should start up on its own. And uh, perhaps that will uh, settle it back into gear. That doesn't work. Try a separate user account. Though usually USB issues or hardware issues are kind of global. And excuse me. So for that reason, I would say uh, hold down the shift key and try booting that way, uh, which kind of starts up with only a minimal set of extensions. I okay. have to excuse and I have I, my throat shot. I think I think uh, getting dehydrated and and all the traveling that I did. I'm I, I'm, I'm not likewise. sick, but I uh, but I'm I'm needing far more liquid today
0: and yesterday than I normally do. I've noticed that today too. Yes, I've <clears> <laughs> <laughs> went <throat> to the water cooler, uh, and not for conversation. That's always right. fun. That's uh, right. That's yes, right. for liquid and uh, yeah. So we didn't follow our advice, Dave. Well, especially in Vegas, you know, I think it's deceptive. I mean, you're walking around a lot in the you know warm, relatively yeah. warm weather, and uh, yeah. you just don't think about it. Well, and that's that. The, it's that dry, recycled you know
1: trade show hall air that that you know just. I mean, it it's dehydrating, and just traveling in general.
0: Airplane rides are terrible, so, or just trying to do everything. You know, I mean, right. you do dinner or the show or a conference or this. Or, there's no time to drink water no okay not. anyways i have a few other things to suggest. okay so another one and actually allison ran into this so allison we saw at the show yep um and uh she had an issue which i think was solved and it was just the you know stab with the later max they have something called uh oh smc i think system management controller or something yeah. like that um she was having an issue where her machine when it only was on battery would all of a sudden shut down randomly and it sounded like I think she hinted that the, I'm not sure if the machine was still running or if the machine just shut down. I don't know if it, the backlight went out. Uh, uh, I recall the, uh, I don't recall the details, but she tried this thing uh, and there is a, you know, in the Apple knowledge base, but it's a different, P, you know, part of the computer. The PRAM is certainly one which could, you know, you know, if it's not set up, right. Could affect your ability to access discs, but the, uh, SMC maybe could, you know, it's more a power aspect. So I think I think the newer machines, you just, you know, unplug everything and hold down the power button for five seconds, I think resets that chip in the computer. And the older machines, all, there's always a, you know, secret handshake kind of, you know, annoying little <laughs> key sequence. Or Some of the older machines actually had the reset button, which was kind of nice to have there. The, the CUDA the reset on the motherboard? Yeah. Um, no, but more, you know, a, a recessed reset, you know, with a triangular circular oh, yeah. icon. Where you had a paper clip or pencil tip that would reset some circuitry, but it's been we, we a don't long time anymore. Yeah, and, yes, and, it has. I'm I'm reaching back, brother.
1: Yeah, well, that actually reminds me. The first Mac I owned was an SE thirty, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure a bunch of you remember that. And it had what they called the programmer's switch, and and it was uh, there were there were two buttons that were, like you said, recessed. Now these were recessed into the side. The SE30 looked like the original Mac, right? I mean, it had the little nine inch screen and stuff, but it had an the S- uh, 68030 processor in it. So it was, you know, smoking compared to the others because it had mm-hmm. the FPU and all that. But you you would clip this special plastic thing. It came with the computer. You'd clip it onto yep. the side and it would poke two little prongs into the machine and and gave you a reset button and and what they called the programmer's switch on the side of the machine and the programmer switch would put you into the debugger and then the reset button would do just like you said it would it would force a reset but it wasn't accessible unless you clipped this little thing on so, uh, i guess just to keep people from from messing with it and to you know preserve the austere uh yeah uh, you know a- a- a case of the machine
0: so that you weren't messing and around. yeah i remember there were two it was a reset and then i think a programmer switch which yeah. sometimes dumped you into a, a text monitor i think kind of You know, level interface. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, It was weird memories. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where are we at?
1: We are at Donnie now. uh, Well, I'll read Donnie's question and I'll talk about this. So Donnie writes, I'm having trouble viewing a media player on a website on my Mac. I can open the media player just fine on my Windows laptop in Internet Explorer, but it does not seem to want to open correctly on my Mac. Uh, He gave us the website and it's a little audio player that's flash based. And uh, he says, I've called several other people and it seems to be working on their computers just fine. One friend even has a Mac and it works in both Firefox and Safari. I've cleared my cache reset browsing history and even reinstalled Adobe Flash Player on my Mac. I'm at a loss as to what could be causing this. Okay, so my friend John, not you, but another friend, John, here in New Hampshire, called me recently and complained of a very similar issue. Now, for him, the. Uh, the result was anytime he tried to do anything with flash, the browser would crash. Uh, And so by disabling the flash plugin, it would, it got better. And he was on leopard and it was right about the time snow leopard came out. So I said, John, just uh, look, upgrade to snow leopard that that's going to fix it for you. And it didn't. And Mm. I was like, gosh, what the heck? I mean, you know, the guy doesn't, he doesn't do much with his machine. So it was like, uh, you know, what could possibly be causing this? Well, he took it to the Apple store here in Nashua And immediately or Salem or wherever it is uh, immediately there was, there was a a female genius behind the counter and he, you know, he made his appointment. He got up there. He said, look, here's my machine and I'm having this wacky problem. And immediately she said, Oh, let's check the name of your hard drive. And the name of his hard drive had gotten changed to like some gobbledygook. You know, it, it was normally Macintosh hard drive. He had at some point, you know, fat fingered the keyboard, and renamed his hard drive accidentally. And the one thing that the, the woman genius said was that because the hard drive had a number in the name, flash player wouldn't work. So they renamed it to Macintosh hard drive, took the number out of the name and like magic, everything (sighs) worked. Now for Donnie, uh, I did get an email. I suggested this to Donnie and I got an email back and he says he was at work, but he was pretty sure his hard drive was was not misnamed. Uh, so with that, I'm I'm not sure what else to do. I mean, if you've reinstalled the Flash Player, he said he is having the problem not in IE, but on Firefox on his Windows machine. So he's thinking there might be something uh, about his network at his house. Uh, maybe. Uh, I'd be curious if other flash things work for you, Donnie, Uh, that that would kind of give us an indication as to whether it is some sort of, you know, uh, interference with your router and and this particular type of streaming video. You you know, it's it's doing some video streaming or audio streaming rather. So I'm not I'm not sure, you know, what else could be doing it. But but, yeah, I wanted to share that that tip that uh, that was passed along to us by uh, by John there with the, the hard drive being renamed that fascinating that that could cause flash not to work. And and I find it even more fascinating that, you know, th- this genius knew it immediately. You know, this was one of those things that at some point in time she had seen and took her like four hours to figure out. That's just how these things go, you know? And then mm-hmm. of course the next time you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, I know that answer. Good to go. So, do, uh,
0: you,
1: do you have some thoughts on that, John? The last question, did I mention peripheral vision? Are, are we done with Donnie? Just, I think so. Okay. I'm, right. I'm kind of going back. because uh, Yes, I, I, I got that. <laughs> I see something. Okay. All right. Yeah, we can go back to, to Joe's question about his unmounting USB hard drive or, or non-mounting. Yeah, right yeah no,
0: I I just want to mention a, a, yeah, a tool, peripheral vision or hardware growler that you and I both use. Yep. Uh, it just came to me. I, I wanted to, you know, just for general USB troubleshooting, if... You plug in a drive and you don't see it show up then that tool will help you figure that out because when you it, it has multiple levels which is actually kind of cool i think they have different colors sometimes or something but it, once it sees a device on the hardware level it'll say oh i see you know usb drive whatever then when the os sees it something else happens it'll say like oh mounting you know this or that volume so so right. i think that is a good tool as, as i think we suggested you got the hardware and the software level this will help you figure out where it is if, it, if if it doesn't see it at all, then yeah your your hardware is probably shot. If it sees it at that level, then you look at software updates. so right sorry, I just wanted to no that's good. <laughs> I that's blew good. past that, but want to rewind and now we're gonna move forward, Dave. yeah, well,
1: actually we're gonna move backward uh, last show we, we last show we did two things. one we talked about peanut butter, uh, but more importantly, we issued a geek challenge about asking how to use spotlight. Uh, to search the oh, library yeah. folder. Now, I have to be brutally honest. I'm realizing this now. I bl- my day today was crazy. Um, it was good. Crazy. But it was crazy. And I blazed through preparing the notes for this show. So I am almost certain that I have not read or heard every comment about this geek challenge. But mm-hmm. we did. We, we did uh, select two uh, that sort of explain uh, they they both sort of explain the same thing with with regards to how to fix this, but but they explain it sort of two different ways, and I I, I found them both helpful. So we'll just play them back to back, and then and then we'll talk about it. But uh, but Chris of course starts with uh, starts with the peanut butter, and and then goes on to the the spotlight thing, and and of course Greg moves on as well.
3: Hey John and Dave, this is Chris calling from Parker, Colorado. Uh, just a couple of quick notes. First off, on a peanut butter. Um, you can make peanut butter yourself. You do not need to add anything to it. No sugar, no oil, anything like that. I uh, made it myself a number of times because peanut butter can be pretty expensive in Europe and it's not always as good as what we can get here in America and it's a lot cheaper and easier to make it yourself. As a side note, if you're going to make uh roasted uh, honey roasted peanut butter, you do want to add the honey after you've made the peanut butter. That's good Um me. excellent techy subject. You you mentioned the caller who had a problem searching his library folder. Um, I believe when you do the find in Snow Leopard, you can select, uh, to search the current folder as opposed to the entire drive. Um, so that should, ha- you know, if you go, if you navigate to the library folder and then do find and select search library folder instead of search this Mac, uh, I believe that should help out because normally I, at least I've noticed the library results for some reason are not uh, included in a general search. You have to specifically search in the library folder. Uh, This is where you want to cut me off? All right, and we will move on to Greg just to uh, provide a little different
1: angle on this.
4: Hey, John and Dave. This is Greg from Oklahoma, and I believe I have the answer to the Mac Geek Challenge that you issued on show 222. The challenge was, how do you use Spotlight to locate preference files on the Mac? Well, the uh, Leopard and Snow Leopard do index preference files and the contents of the library folder, but they are omitted from the initial search results. So the way you locate them is first you open up Finder and navigate to the library folder. Then you use the search bar in the upper right hand corner of Finder to run your search. The initial search results that you'll get are the contents of the entire Mac with the contents of the library file excluded, but in the little bar along the top window you switch from the entire Mac view to the library view and then it will exclude everything outside of the library and pull up those files in the library folder matching the search results. So thank you for issuing the uh, Mac Geek Challenge, and love the show.
1: Awesome. Hello. Uh, Hello. How are you? (laughs) Great. Uh, Good. Uh, Okay, so that is, um, you know, as he was talking, John, I was reading something on Tidbits, Mm -hmm. and I think there's an interesting
0: option here. I know. And while you're going through that, I'll uh, help you out a bit, but uh, okay. tidbits, they, they, I think they did their hundredth show thousandth anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. I know. laughs> Congratulations to uh,
1: Adam and uh, Tanya, right? Adam and Tanya and their whole team. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Very nice.
1: But anyway, okay, so, here's, um, here's the trick. Here's the real answer, folks. Uh, And I and I will credit uh, tidbits, something some article tidbits from November of 2007 for sending us down this path. Um, If you do a search in the finder or do a spotlight, that's both. They both use spotlight. But if you use spotlight in the upper right hand corner and start searching for something and then choose show all, uh, it will bring up that same search window in the finder on the right hand side. You'll see that you have a little plus sign and you can add options to that, right mm. So you know you're gonna search this Mac for file name and you know that you want to search in the library folder so you hit the little plus sign and you change that you pull the first drop down to other. Now that's gonna pull up a huge laundry list of uh, of all sorts of things and you can search by image resolution height. I mean that all these little plugins, that are available uh, for spotlight or are enabled here, or it uh, the options are here. What you can do is you can click, if you go down to system files and it's alphabetical, it says uh, the description is include system files, preferences, plugins, etc. If you enable that and say, okay, now you can choose to include system files. So now in that little dropdown, you've got uh you know, system files is one of the options you can choose, and you can choose include. And as soon as you do that, it opens up uh, or it shows you everything that's in the library folder. So that's the cool. uh, that's the answer. It's a, it's a little convoluted, yeah, you know. And while we're talking about convoluted, one other thing I I uh, mm-hmm. I noticed with Snow Leopard is in the Finder, you can go to the Finder and Preferences and go to Advanced, and there is a little option there. Uh, you can say set search with and you can always start searches in the same place. You can start them on your Mac wherever you are or uh, or something else. And I'm not on a Snow Leopard machine, so I can't tell you what they uh, what those options are. But perhaps, John, you've pulled it up while I've been vamping here.
0: No. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the machine's That's too far away. Left as an exercise for the listener. Give me a path again. What's that? You're going to go need the the path path okay so the path john is finder preferences advanced and you'll see it at the bottom there
0: oh when performing a search search this Mac. okay okay so what are the options search this mac (laughs) good tune thanks (laughs) that's the other band (laughs) that's right search the current folder use the previous search scope awesome so search
1: this Mac, search the current current folder, or use whatever I used previously. That's excellent. Okay, cool. Uh, so thank you, Chris and Greg and, and everyone else that uh, I, I haven't seen who wrote in. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, we just traveled, John, and Rob wrote oh, in yeah. with, uh, yeah. with something that definitely uh, falls into the category of cool stuff found. But
0: uh why well, whined about this?
1: Yeah, you did, and you know what's funny? I, I'm going to mention something after Rob's thing that you we just, ride
0: first class, so you
1: don't have these problems. I rode first class to to and from Vegas, yes, but the the <laughs> you know the other six flights on my on my journeys last week, oh, I did not. I don't you always feel our pain. I, I yeah, I, yeah I, I, <laughs> I I I try to use first class. You know, I have a lot of miles on American. I, I'm yeah. lifetime golden. so I try to use that when I'm. Flying cross country because on a six hour flight, it actually makes a difference, you know, going to and from New York or or even back and forth to Florida. Oh, yeah, it's it's just not worth it. So Um, but it's never worth it to pay for it. I always just, you know, try and leverage the upgrade. Uh, But anyway, uh, you were complaining about the uh, the the person in front of you reclining their seat so far back that you couldn't use your laptop now. We have two solutions. I knew about one of them. And in fact, I was lamenting that I didn't bring this device with me to Vegas. But we're going to talk about Rob's first. And Rob says, as a frequent flyer myself, I shared John's pain of the story he told in episode 222 about the person in front of him fully exercising their right to be inconsiderate. (laughs) That's 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 a beautiful phrase. Well done. Yeah, The little device linked above called the knee defender should provide some satisfaction. They have served me well on many a flight on a, but he says in classic Mac geek gab fashion, don't get caught. Uh, So the knee defender is, uh, it, it is a, is two clips that once you've pulled down your tray table, you fit them over the, uh, the, the brackets of the tray table. So you sort of wedge them in between the bracket of the tray table and the seat in front of you. And it keeps the seat from reclining. Now, uh you know it uh i i'm not sure how you know they, they so the FAA was asked about about the legality of this and the FAA said look you can use them except you can't use them during takeoff landing or any other time when they right. tell you that you can't have a tray table out which okay fine you you know you're not going to have the tray table out during takeoff or landing so there's no reason to use them um but uh yeah I,
0: uh, i'll have to say i <laughs> Although I hate getting crunched. I disagree with the, the, the spirit of this because I, it restricts someone else's freedom. And because you and I are Americans, Dave, we're all about freedom. And no, we're not the political podcast, but no, it really does. Uh, although it's clever. I appreciate the, the, you know, the clever aspect of this. It is. The person yeah. In front of you think their seats busted and they can't recline, which maybe <laughs> that's the point. I think that's the point. That's right. Is that they think it's broken, which i I've had a seat not reclined because it's yeah. Yeah. So perhaps that is the, the mental game here, but what if it happens too often then get right. busted? Yeah. So I guess you use with caution, but I, <laughs> so I like the spirit of it, but I, again, can't take move yeah. on.
1: Okay. So I, I don't know why, I, I guess I will attribute it to just being, you know, sleep deprived and, uh, and, and whatever. Uh, but while you were in Vegas explaining this, I, I had actually lamented that I forgot to bring a certain laptop accessory with me because I don't tend to use it on the flight, but I don't tend to use my laptop on the flight. But in hotel really? rooms. Yeah. Now I use the iPod or whatever iPhone. I only use the laptop if I'm doing yeah. work. If I'm watching a movie, I do that on you know another device. Yeah. Um, and actually, I want to talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to make a little note here. Uh, but anyway. There's this device called the Aviator from Keynamics, K-E-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S dot com. The idea behind this device is it creates it's a little stand for your laptop. Now, it folds up flat, but but, uh, you know, so very easy and lightweight to travel with. Uh, But you take it out and you put it on either the table or the desk that you're going to use and it angles your laptop up so that you can recline in your chair Uh, Not fully reclined, but you can you don't have to hunch over. You can sit back in your chair and the laptops right there. And the one thing that's very cool about this is it's got a little lip. So it hangs over the front of your tray table, pulling the laptop closer to you. And most importantly, further away from the seat back in front of you so you can open your laptop up more. You've got a nice angle from where your hands are for the keys. And it allows you to open the laptop up uh, okay. more without without risking it. it. It's much easier to see uh, on a picture than it is to describe. So hopefully Michael at this point has already put in a picture of the aviator and uh, and and you can visit it yourself at keynamics.com if you're driving or, or, or otherwise can't see the uh, the image in the enhanced podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So two cool things found. Did you have something you wanted to say about that, John? No. OK, Uh While I was talking about that, you know, yes, I was in uh, in first class and on the uh, long haul flights. You know, the the dinner service is a little more stretched out and, and, you know, they they do some nice things for you. Uh, I had something interesting happen. And I I guess I just haven't flown on a 757 from Vegas to Boston uh, in a
0: while. Really? You took because all the United flights I took were all 757s. Okay. Which made the boarding videos very, very boring. Yes, that's right. <laughs> said, yeah. give us your utmost attention. Pay attention to this. Hey. No. That's right. It, it, actually, it, it go.
1: But so uh, once the flight started, the uh, the flight attendant uh, started coming around and, and offering people uh, what I thought were just a case with, with noise canceling headphones in them. And so at first I was like, I don't, I don't need that. And then I realized, wait, there's something else in that case. And it was an Arcos seven o four media player, so I said, well, wait, 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 give me give me one of those give me one of those yeah <laughs> and and so uh it was a a, a case uh, like a zipped up case that had the Bose the new you know quiet comfort two noise canceling headphones, and uh this Arcos media player now it's just a portable media player with a hard drive in it. And I thought, well, that's interesting, so I start scrolling through and they're like movies, what do they have? They have all the new release movies. Preloaded onto this thing, Star Trek was on there. Uh, the new Angels and Demons, the you know the 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 Tom Hanks, no. Dan Brown movie, all this stuff, brand new, you know, to DVD. Really? Now the 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 iPod does this, I think, right? It does, iPod? but it doesn't. Uh, you know, mine didn't have all these movies preloaded on it in the plane. This thing did, and it had a nice big. It was like maybe a six inch yeah. screen or whatever.
0: What's well, Yeah, and I was going to hit to that. I, I was kind of yeah. proud of you for that. But the, so the movie experience versus an iPod Touch, which it's a big screen it's not a really yeah really big screen so that, was this a, a larger screen much much larger like yeah probably you know was it, it like a tablet or like a? it was smaller like a than a tablet book or a netbook size mm. like you know again kind of three inch or four inch or
1: uh so the screen on the uh on the iphone is what three inches right on the touch is three three inches or so the uh, i think the screen on this arcos is it's the arcos 704 we could look it up but um cool yeah, so on. I navigated to the movie and started watching, and it, it was awesome. I mean, it was just great. So, you know, a uh, uh, cool device. I noticed it loaded WMV files is uh, hmm.
0: is is what it's, uh, that was its deal. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Oh, well, that's cool, because I've been on and you've probably been on, but I think the last Delta flight I took, uh, a longer haul one, had the, the uh, system in the back of the seat in front of you. Yeah, yeah, right right and it was linux based because i saw it when i got on the plane you know before boarding they rebooted it and you see a you know happy little penguin Okay. as the text (laughs) scrolls by, then it goes into whatever media distribution system they're using. But it's uh, a a seven inch screen on this on this little device. Oh, nice.
1: And it's got a little stand. So
0: you can you can kick
1: a little stand out and it just like stood right up on the tray table. It was really nice. They had TV shows like recent episodes of of a bunch of shows. And it was Mm -hmm. really nice to be able to just, you know, pick what I want, watch a movie when I wanted,
2: and
0: And uh, I'm going to hit you. Tangent. Ready? But you probably know this. So on United I believe it's Channel Nine on the, uh, and you probably know where I'm going with this. I do. But one flight, they said, "Hey, if you want to listen to the plane to tower chatter or the plane to whatever chatter, plug into the you know headset on your your." Uh, uh, armrest. Yeah. Go to channel nine. I think it is on United flights. I, I believe it was nine. Though it may change, but they, they they'll tell you. Or just flip through them. But then you heard all the chatter between them, and I got to say that is probably the most entertaining thing of all the. Entertainment options on the plane other than what I brought with myself when I could watch out of my seat unless somebody was reclining in front of me. But anyways, it was cool to listen to the pilot first talking on the overhead for everybody to hear, and then you hear him talking to the tower, and it's like the whole tone of the conversation changes. It was just awesome. I know Pete would just be yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> he he probably. He'd probably be but I thought it was so it. cool yeah. because how many people? I don't know. So again, if you're on a plane and you want to hear what the people who are flying the plane are really doing, because sometimes it seems like it's nothing because you are sitting there, but there really is a lot happening, uh, even when they're sitting there. They're they're, you know, trying to make sure they don't crash into <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it was it, yeah, yeah. I I've I've seen that on some planes. They, um. They don't always do it. American used to do it for a while and then they and then they stopped. Um, I imagine there's some liabilities,
0: but uh, I think it's just fun. I mean, yeah, yeah. So you hear the guy say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to write. Oh, right. but I had I I, 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 I I think I'm the only person because I looked around me when the guy oh, yeah. announced oh, and yeah. I didn't see people like, you know, rushing for their armrests and right. playing in the headphones, right. which were free to say, oh, I want to listen to the pilot. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Get me where I'm going. That's right. Uh, all right. So there were these new uh, there were these new
1: uh, things announced today. Right. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to
0: from. Oh, from uh, from from Apple. that fruit company in Cupertino. After, yeah. after they announced their financials, which. Yeah. I'm stellar. Happy. That's right. The stock. <laughs> oh the gosh. stock's
1: up. It closed up with almost nine today. So it's actually it was Over, actually down from its opening at oh, you know like twelve up or something but but, but it, it's around two hundred it's it closed at one uh. ninety eight point seventy six oh. according to this great website uh, that I I read every now and then called the Mac Observer at, at MacObserver.com. dot yeah. com yeah um so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna run through this quick and then we can decide Yo. which which we want to talk about we're not gonna go very deep I got here, my folks. notes yeah so so we're just gonna kind of glance on this so we have uh. New iMacs, 21 and 27-inch uh,
0: yes. iMacs. So let's talk about that. Go. Well, to me, the only thing, the 20, so they're big. Yeah. Really, really big. The 27-inch, I believe, has a quad-core. I don't know if it's standard or optional. Maybe it's standard, but no. there is a quad-core, which I believe is new for the iMac line. So that's it cool. It is.
1: Yeah, it, it that is new for the iMac line. The, the The base version does not have the, the quad-core. Uh, let's see the 21 and a half you can't get with the quad core. You have to get the 27 and then you've got to get the, the highest uh, you know, the beefiest 27 and it, but it's, it's 1999 is the price on it. So, you know, the 21 and a half with the slower processor it, mm-hmm. and slower, it's a 3.06 gigahertz Intel core duo core. excuse me, core two duo uh, is 1199. Then you can bump up for 1499 to one with a better video card. And uh, I think a, a bigger hard drive then nice. you jump up to the 27 and but yeah 1999 for the quad core it's the i5 chip and if that uh, yeah. means anything to anyone of the, yeah <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh okay so there is one other thing about the imax that's very interesting to me oh uh and i think you can you can uh you can get a dual core up to like 3.33 gigahertz and you know there's there's some there's some build to order options you can get a 2.8 Gigahertz mm-hmm. quad processor, which I think is the i6 at that point. Um, but there's one thing that's very interesting to me, and that is that there is an HDMI input on the iMac, and that means that you can use it as a TV. So uh, not only is there output where you can, hmm. yeah, but it's got, uh, it says the 27 inch models also support input from external display port sources and the adapters are sold separately so it doesn't have to be hdmi in fact it could be just about anything so yeah you can use the 27 inches as a tv that's a very interesting little step uh to me that you know that's now putting you put the imac in the kitchen and you get a cable box or something and you put that underneath it and now you've got Uh, you know, an iMac that you can use as an iMac, and you flip a switch or whatever it is you do, and now, bam, you know, you're watching cable on this thing. Or an Apple TV somewhere, maybe. That's true. You could hook it up to to an Apple TV. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but but why would you do that? Because the iMac has the same capabilities as the Apple TV on its own. But there's no tuner. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm speculating. Mm -hmm. There's a plan.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, there's a plan. Yeah okay uh, so let's see moving on uh, the next thing that they did was a new MacBook now the new MacBook is a unibody MacBook uh, mm-hmm. and that in and it's um, let's see polycarbonate uh, frame unibody so my guess is it's gonna be a whole lot uh, more stable 13 inch screen uh, they took out the firewire port and it does not have Uh, an sd it does not have an sd
0: card yeah i saw adam talk about that yeah you know uh, well that's that's the you know they gotta have a difference yeah because it's why it's not a pro
1: machine for 300 bucks you can bump up to the 13 inch macbook pro and i think that Mm -hmm. this is you know building that gap
0: there Yep. yep yep and i had a colleague today actually he got one of the newer machines and he's like I had a problem. I have to do restore. I have a fireware 400 drive and I have a newer Mac. You're right. Unibody. body. What do I do? I'm like, well, and, and I think sonnet makes something for like 15 bucks. That's a 400 to or 800 to 400 adapter. Yeah.
1: All so, you need is a cable, by the way, it, there need
0: be no adapter. I okay, have, well, it does yeah. the same thing. If yeah, you have just the so cables, you know. then the adapter does. No, yeah, no, I, yes. Yeah. From probably the same people, sonnet and, and others. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, That's what happens when you're on the bleeding edge of technology like Apple is often. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. Off to do sometimes a little too soon. I
1: remember they paved the way for us to get rid of the floppy. So. Which had people shaking their
0: fists. Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. Well, it could be one day the end of the hard drive. Yeah, not yet. Someday. Uh, Yeah, not yet. (laughs)
1: Uh, All right. Uh, Yeah, someday though. Someday soon.
0: Mechanical Uh, hard drive, I meant. Right. Uh,
1: You know, I'm with you. I'm I'm totally SSD, you know, I'm I'm all about that new Mac (laughs) mini uh, came out today. So the Mac mini gets, uh, it's so cute. It it got a little speed boost. It's bumped up to either a 2.26 or 2.53 core two duo. So it, you know, still dual core. Uh, And the interesting thing is that this new Mac mini also Mm -hmm. is available in an option (laughs) that has a snow leopard (laughs) server. Right. And and they take out the optical drive, they put in two 500 gig hard drives, and for a thousand bucks, you've got that Mac Mini with Snow Leopard server, unlimited client license.
0: You know, I'm just looking at this initially. I mean, it, it it's adorable, but <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a server. great server. And, and yeah. if, well, no, I don't. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. You want to know why? I do. You see how much RAM is in this thing? Four gigs. <sighs> I don't know, yo. I'm I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I think it depends that's, on what you're that's doing.
0: That's on the uh, yeah, uh, agreed, but with the features of server, you could easily. Uh, I'm gonna uh, just instinctually. I know four gigs is not enough for some of the server applications, like v- streaming video and, and and stuff like that. Just saying. Yeah, maybe I, maybe. I I like. I would like more. I would. Why yeah. six? i mean a server i mean i've obviously I've you know i mean we host with with someone externally and uh, i don't i'm that just seems to be a, a very you know small amount of ram for what i would call a server class machine
1: yeah in that's interesting base. yeah with
0: the os and the resources and the things you expect it to do so yep, yep. Saying.
1: yep. yeah yeah no, yeah I, I guess you know i Mac OS X server can certainly be
0: used in a production
1: environment where there are, you know, many hundreds of users, maybe even thousands. Sure. I use Mac OS X server here to serve some files from the Drobo and run FileMaker server. And I'm doing it on an old PowerPC dual mirrored door machine. And uh, I think it's got maybe a gig and a half, two gigs of RAM, and it's fine. But again, it's got, yeah. you know, less than 10 users beating on this thing. So, so yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. It, for a, you know, but I think, I think the concept here is, is maybe, you know, get yourself a, a small, uh, you know, s- for a small office, I think it would be fine. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. But, but, but I was saying right. is in the, in the past they've, they've touted their, uh, you know, XServe. Yeah. Uh, class of machine as being a, you know, enterprise server thing. Uh, so to me, I, I think they have to be careful with the word server in this respect. I agree. I agree. I, you know, based on what I've done and what you've done, especially, you know, working with hosting companies, server carries with it a certain, you know, implication that it's, yeah. So, so it sounds like I think what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So I think what we're both saying is it's good for small work groups. And, and, and I think it's great. I mean, you know, you get the small, again, the size to me is deceptive. Now, if you could get, an array of these, and you know that that that's something oh, that's that intrigues me because there is Xserve still. I haven't really, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, X Grid, right? You know, right. The multi, and and of course, you know, Grand, uh, what is it? Grand Central Dispatch, but that's different. Dispatch, yeah, and things like that. So actually, the small size of this machine, with you know, uh, you know, decent capabilities, just because of the size, man, you could build a cool array of these things. I would think so yeah I agree I, I think so just speculating so I, I have mixed feelings about it I have a mini at work actually it only has two gigs of RAM but it does a great job of both uh, virtual box and uh, VMware and emulation and stuff uh, if that's all I'm doing so uh, now we'll see that's an a interesting move though I didn't expect them to <laughs> make that a server uh,
1: yeah I didn't either I mean it, yeah yeah it, it, it was it was definitely I don't think anybody expected it all right uh What's next here the uh oh yeah, they introduced yeah. a new mouse, the magic mouse oh, they call it
0: no i I hate it already <laughs> <I'm telling>
1: you. <laughs> you you haven't seen it do you do you have no, one? it has uh, it has right. one thing wrong with it doesn't it? There are no buttons yeah but it's it's multi touch the whole top of it about, is like the screen care. of your no, your iPod that. touch or your iphone I don't, I don't care about that now what's the what's the I biggest problem buttons, with No, I'm I'm just being (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with you. Apple. Well, I mean, let's look at the track record here, John. Well, why don't don't we take a moment and talk about all the great mice uh, that Apple has come out with over the years? Well, they all suck. No, we're just taking a moment here. We're going to talk
0: about them. (laughs) What are you doing? We're talking about the Apple mice, all the great ones, like the original. I don't think we uh, what do you got? I got nothing. There's nothing mouse. to talk about. Maybe the original blocky mouse. No, that was kind of lame. And then the circular mouse and then the oval mouse. But anyways, you, you know, all- I
1: like the there, there was an oval mouse actually over the years. It was a wired mouse and you could kind of get your whole hand around it. I, I kind of like that one. I'm, I'm trying to think when it when it was around. I think it was the one. Ah, was it with the first power max? I forget. Hmm. But there, there was a mouse I liked from Apple. It was kind of, uh. it was like an oval shaped thing and, uh, and it had, um, it, it was, you know, it was fatter in the back or, or taller in the back than it was in the front, but very rounded. And, uh, you could, you could just sort of get your whole hand over it. I, yeah. I, I like that mouse now that I, now that I think about it, but yeah. I, th- that was the only one. The rest of them suck, especially all the latest ones. They're just terrible,
0: terrible. So we'll see. We'll hit the Apple store and check it out. Yeah, we'll check it out.
1: What else? Uh, uh, Well, there there was a an improvement to the airport extreme and time capsule uh, and and on a hardware level or so they say. They say that the range on it is increased up to 60 percent. So, you know, (laughs) your your mileage will almost certainly vary. That includes zero or negative numbers, folks, up to 60 (laughs) percent. Certainly not going to be 70, but it might be negative 20. You know, hey, just calling it like I see it. Uh, It would be it would be helpful. And I'm sure over time we will. I'll I'll look to uh, Glenn Fleischman because he's always the one that that figures all this stuff out. Uh, He actually works over at tidbits. So that's like the third mention that tidbits gets in the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, but he'll be the one to dig into this and figure out exactly what it's what it's doing. So Uh, and then one last thing is they revamped the remote. They put some more buttons on it. And they made it metal,
0: not plastic. No, I think they put less. No, more. Okay, more. but yeah, it's aluminum, aluminum, aluminum. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, metal, they metalized it. So it's not a flat little candy bar thing. It's kind of round little. little. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same. I, I think I read up on it. It will work back to two. The, whatever recent Mac has an IR port. It will work with it. So. Right. Right. I think 2005, they said, which is when they started, you know, putting this on some machines.
1: All right. Uh, I think that gets us through all the uh, Mac stuff. I, I did want to talk about uh, when, when we were at, at, at uh, oh, yeah. Blog World Expo, the, the last night there, John and I had the opportunity. The, the great folks at Cirque du Soleil, they're smart. They knew that there were going to be a bunch of uh, bloggers and podcasters at this show. And they reached out and said, we have, uh, you know, a limited number of tickets, but uh, available. But if you if you want to see a Cirque du Soleil show while you're in town, let us know. And uh, if there's tickets available, we'll get you a couple of free seats and uh, in hopes that uh, that you'll talk about it or blog about it. So there you go. Full disclosure, we got John and I got free tickets to go see Cirque's Ka show on Saturday night. Uh, You know, I've seen a bunch of Cirque shows before, and this this was your first Cirque show. So. I'm gonna let you go ahead and talk about it first, and then I'll I'll add some uh, some color and perspective if uh, if, okay. if uh, you know. So go well,
0: I gotta say, like the whole experience from when you come in, the people are in character; they are wearing the costumes and all that. They will welcome you in. And then you walk into an area which is just monstrously huge, and you see a main stage, but you also see things around you, and and people continue to guide you in your seat, and then you sit down. The one thing I noticed is that there are, in addition to this show having. Blasts of flame and you could actually feel the heat from that uh the seat had speakers in the back so that was kind of cool from a geek standpoint and then the show kind of started even before the show they advised us to be there a little early there were people kind of mulling about and you, you have to look at this but it, it's a huge area with a lot of you know gates and uh you know uh, different levels where people can climb around and and uh, do all that it's again it's hard to describe but it, yeah to me it, to me it
1: had like, like a you know mad max meets klingon sort of feel to the theater
0: yes you know <laughs> you locked it down so it's a number of levels of you know catwalks and okay that that's the term so you can probably visualize it more But catwalks but multiple levels and also these you know kind of central areas where people can climb around so it starts beforehand you see people kind of mulling about and all that and then you know they start the show and you see the main characters and you learn the story they do a bit of verbal narration which i understand is unusual for the show but then it goes through basically brother and sister through awesome adventures uh and you know being separated and coming back together i don't want to give away the story but sure the way they did it in some cases i think was awesome in that i think both you and i dave marveled at the sets i mean in some cases they had a huge set that was rotating and doing different things. And that was one thing that caught my attention. The the other thing is that the death defying stunts. Now I understand the other shows they have. Um, I mean, I saw people doing amazing things with harnesses and, and cables, which you could see, but still the the way they put it together was, was I think very nice. But then there were a couple of stunts where there were people, which if, something bad happened it would have been really bad bad that's right (laughs) i mean from rotating on you know rotating cylinders and and trying to balance to lifting people up to ridiculous heights without a harness or or a yeah or a cable or anything those were the ones that really caught my attention these people are incredibly skilled in that but the story was cool too there was you know different you could follow it there were you know there was a little humor and stuff so as a newbie, that is my feedback. It's, uh, I guess safe to say it's like nothing I have, I have ever seen. I I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I had, I had forgotten when we were on our way to the thing, I'd forgotten that you'd never seen Cirque. And so I had to kind of rewind to just before I saw my first Cirque show and it was, I was with my Lisa, my wife and, uh, you know, I was saying, so well, we're going to a circus. What, you know, what is this? Cause that's kind of what you were asking me. And I just remember her saying to me, yeah, uh, it's not like anything you've ever seen. So just go and and then you'll get it. And it, and it truly is. I, you know, I, I've i seen, eh, I don't know, maybe uh, half a dozen uh, circ shows over the years, some of them in Vegas and some of them, you know, they, they do traveling productions. I'm totally addicted to it. I, I love the, the shows and the way they put them together. This one to me was unique in that it had less acrobatics than your typical circ show, but certainly it wasn't lacking acrobatics. I don't want to. intimate at all that, that there was anything wrong with this show. Uh, But for me, the star of the show was, as you said, John, the stage, Uh, it was this hydraulic thing that, you know, lifted up and down, of course, but also tilted every which way and spun. And they made great use of that with, with battle scenes. In fact, you know, the one thing that that really hit me, there was a battle scene, John, that, uh, and I don't want to give too much away, but, but the stage was, uh, if not fully, almost fully, Uh, vertical and, and we saw a battle scene from the top down, but of course these people were, you know, they weren't, they were standing on the stage, but using harnesses and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, balancing themselves such that it looked like we were looking, we were looking top down on this one battle uh, which I thought was really cool. I mean, it was a very, very creative use of the of the stage, and it moves so smoothly. I mean, it's this big heaving stage, right? And it's got to be able to support all these people, and it's very strong. But the hydraulics that they used were just so smooth. It was never herky-jerky. You know, when they were moving things around, it was just, right. yeah, it was cool. So thank you uh, very much to to Cirque, and uh, you know, I would have said this before, but and I'll say it again. Uh, you know, if you ever get the opportunity to uh, to see a Cirque du Soleil show, either either in Vegas or the touring productions, they're all just as good as, as one another. I, I certainly wasn't disappointed when I saw, you know, touring ones either in New York or, uh, or Boston or where, where I've seen them. So highly recommended. Any, uh, any further thoughts on, on blog world expo before we, before we sign this one off and, and put it in the can, John.
0: I uh, could open a can of worms. No, I'll, I'll just say it, it definitely had a flavor of it being more of the former than the latter, more of a blog and less of a world. <laughs> yeah, in the <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, in, I know what you mean. New media. Yeah. In, in that yeah. it, it's a blog show. They they acquired the the rights to the prior show. They integrated some aspects of it as far as sessions and uh, exhibitors, but I felt it wasn't as strong as the standalone show from the prior year. For, for the standalone the pod-, pod podcast show, just yes. to be clear. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I'm. I'm, I'm you know, again, it's it's not an easy job. I know that, you know, they did a great job of organizing, you know, pretty much a pretty constant conference schedule. Yeah. Um The exhibitors, I thought, were a little light. But uh again, it's integrating two shows, especially in a off economy where, you know, <laughs> yeah. things are rough. And I think some people are reading this show also, just like you know, people are going to read the next MacWorld show and say, you know, is it uh, you know, what's happening there? Is it viable? You know, it's, right. As far as you and I have seen from, you know, the messages uh, via various means, it looks like people are signing up and it's, it's going to be a very successful event. And and same with this. So I guess my only takeaway and, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts, but I, I thought it was, you know, uh, Could have been better, but I'm uneasy. I don't want to be critical, but it's just trying to meld the two worlds effectively. And I I think it's a a very hard thing to do within a year.
1: Yeah, it felt like they started late with it. Now, they they say that they did not. They said, you know, uh, as soon as they made the acquisition, you know, they were full force. But but yeah, the the sessions weren't uh, weren't integrated well enough um and and I you know we we talked to Dave and and Rick before the show and and uh, happy to talk to him again but I'm going to be pretty blunt about this uh the the blogging and podcasting sessions were two separate things and they and in some cases that's right you know if you're talking about uh you know specific what specific audio hardware to use for your podcast well if you're a blogger that never intends to podcast well then there's no point in going to that session. Right. So good to separate that stuff out. But, you know, the sessions about monetization and the sessions about search engine optimization and blog, you know, any mm-hmm. session about blogging is good for a podcaster and, and, and abstracting the the concept of content from the medium is something I think they could mm-hmm. do better as opposed to saying, here's the right way to blog. You know, here's the right way to podcast. It's like, look, here's the right way to come up with good content and it doesn't matter how you deliver it. Right. You know, I mean, every, every medium has its own, you know, pros and cons. Uh, And, and the reality is they did not do as good a job as I agree with you as uh, at, at servicing the podcasters or the podcasting community, including the vendors. Uh, There weren't as nearly as many of them on the show floor as I would have expected Mm. uh, as they could have. And and here's the reality. They I don't know what the deal was between, you know, uh the the all the appropriate parties, but my guess is some money exchange hands. They made an investment and they've they've br- brought on this podcast expo into Blog World Expo. If they don't step it up for next year, that investment will be wasted because someone else will step in and say, Hey, we need a podcast expo. You know, we thought this was gonna be it. But and and everybody's sort of committed to saying, you know, these guys know what they're doing. They're good guys. Their heart's in the right place, absolutely without question. Dave and Rick are some of the nicest guys I've met, and hardworking as you could get, as as you'll ever get. Uh, and and everybody has committed to, okay, yeah, we'll we'll give this another year. Uh, you know, we we believe that for next year you're going to get this right. And they've said, you know, we're listening. But if they don't get it right, then somebody else is going to just start a podcast expose. So. Uh, my my bets are on them getting it right uh, because they know all this. So there, there you go. That's that's my uh wow my two cents. Very candid. Why not? What do I mean, if we, if it's our own show. If we can't be candid here, <laughs> what's the
0: deal? It's my right. And there is the other band. That's right. Have they met the Snoopy band? Uh, no, I, I've never met Vince Guaraldi,
1: and and I won't because the the, uh, he, the he's the late Vince Guaraldi now.
4: Oh, well.
1: Yeah. Uh, How do you get in touch with us, Dave? Uh, you could come knock on our doors, but you yeah, know, but actually, I... we frown upon that. Um, you know, call first if you're going to knock on the door. And the way that you call is by dialing 206
0: 666 geek, which is. The last time I checked, four three three five. But you can also get this. Email us, especially with an audio attachment. Say it um, ain't so. With like with like an iPod or or iPod Touch or or an iPhone or something like that, where you get a or even a BlackBerry audio signal. And uh, I think that you can email that to feedback at macgeekapp Dave. If you just said feedback at macgeekapp is that right, Dave? You're right. <laughs>
1: You can Skype us to MacGeekGab, and of course, we like that. We love the iTunes comments iPhoneAlley.com is where Michael Johnston uh, spends all of his time when he's not here converting this podcast into AAC. CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com provides all of the bandwidth to get this show from us to you, and uh, we're very appreciative of that with them. Uh, The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Text expander and text expander touch and PDF pen from Smile on My Mac, notebook from Circus Ponies, and Pathfinder from Coco Tech, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Wow, that's all we got. And we did. I, you know, I planned this show today and thought, oh, I'm beat, and you know, my th- well, me too, throat's I'm, not I'm, right. I'm, but I'm ready we're, we're only going to do 30 minutes, and here we are at an hour. It's a full show, it's, it's what we do, it's how we roll. Oh ah! yeah thanks for staying subscribed and uh, you know don't get caught.
3: Yeah.
4: made up.